Okay. Hello, everybody. Thank you for your patience for this. Uh, it's it's seven oh five, and it is uh, twenty twenty four. Our first zoning adjustments board meeting of twenty twenty four. Um, it is obvious that we don't have everyone here, but we have enough people here, and it's great to see not just the members of the board, but also the public here as well. Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Zoning Adjustments Board meeting of January 11th, 2024. Um, the way this usually works for anyone that's here um, who has never been here before, first of all, thanks for coming if you've never been here before and welcome. But there are green cards on the way in. And if you wish to speak, uh, please put your name on a green card. And then those cards will trickle over to our desk here, and I'll make sure that uh, you get to speak uh, at the podium. We also, um, we have a few things to read first, and so I'll, I'll read our land acknowledgement, and I'll also read a, a variety of um, housekeeping items before we get started. So bear with us, and then we will jump right into roll call and the action calendar. Um, first, I'll start with the land acknowledgement statement. The city of Berkeley recognizes that the community we live in was built on the territory of the Huchun, the ancestral and unceded land of the Chochenyo speaking Ohlone people, the ancestors and descendants of the sovereign Verona Band of Alameda County. This land was and continues to be of great importance to all of the Ohlone tribes and descendants of the Verona Band. And as we begin our meeting tonight, we acknowledge and honor the original inhabitants of Berkeley, the documented 5,000-year history of a vibrant community at the West Berkeley Shell Mound and the Ohlone people who continue to reside in the East Bay. We recognize that Berkeley's residents have and continue to benefit from the use and occupation of this unceded stolen land since the city of Berkeley's incorporation in 1878. And as stewards of the laws regulating the city of Berkeley, it's not only vital that we recognize the history of this land, but also recognize that the Ohlone people are present members of Berkeley and other East Bay communities today. The city of Berkeley will continue to build relationships with the Lis John tribe and to create meaningful actions that uphold the intention of this land acknowledgement. That land acknowledgement is also on, on the wall to my left. Now I have a public advisory and a couple of other things that are COVID related and, and, and everything else. This meeting is conducted in a hybrid model with both in-person attendance and virtual participation available for members of the public. For in-person attendees, face coverings or masks that cover both the nose and mouth are encouraged, but not required. Face coverings are provided by the city and available for any attendees to use at this meeting. Members of commissions, city staff, and the public are encouraged to wear a mask, except when speaking publicly from the dais or at the public comment podium. Although masking is encouraged even when speaking. For members of the public feeling sick, please do not attend the meeting in person as a public health precaution. People always chuckle at that because it's like maybe you would stand up and leave at that point if you don't feel good. Currently, there's no physical distancing requirements in place by the state of California or local health officer for an indoor event similar to this commission meeting. 
However, all attendees are requested are requested to be respectful of personal space of others. The room's large enough that if you need to social distance, please feel free to find a space that that uh, suits your needs. Live caption broadcasts of Zab meetings are available on cable BTV. That's channel 33 and also on the Internet. To access the meeting remotely, you can join from a PC or a computer, iPad, iPhone, or Android. Please use the URL that's in the agenda. If you don't wish your name to appear on the screen, you don't have to have it appear on the screen. You can use the drop-down menu, click on rename, and rename yourself to be anonymous. But to request to speak, use the raise hand icon by rolling over the bottom of the screen. You can also join by phone. There's the phone number on the agenda. You can call in. Enter the webinar ID, and if you want to comment from your phone, you can. During the comment portion of the agenda, press star nine, and you can wait, and I will recognize you uh, as a phone-in member. Please be mindful the teleconference is recorded, just as any zoning adjustment board meeting is recorded, and all other rules of procedure and decorum apply for all ZAB meetings conducted by teleconference or video conference. This meeting is conducted in accordance with the Brown Act. Any member of the public may attend this meeting. The chair may limit the number of speakers and the length of time allowed to each speaker. And to speak at a public meeting, please submit, as I mentioned, a green card if you're in person here as early as possible. At the start of the meeting, the chair can rearrange the agenda. I'm not proposing that we rearrange the agenda this meeting or the consent calendar. And that's it for housekeeping. Um, I can take any of those green cards you have and I'll sort through them as we go. And that way I know who's speaking on which item. I see we've got items three and four. Okay, that's fine. So we don't have anything before then. Um, okay, so let's start with, thank you. I thought maybe another board member or two might walk in and they have not, but they will. Perhaps. Um, that said, we've got, we do have six people here and we have a quorum, but first let's start with the roll call. Thank Good. you. Uh, when I say your name, please state whether you are present. <laughs> um, Commissioner Trigu. Present. Oh, and also. No, it's parte. Thank you very much, Commissioner Trigu. Uh, Chairperson Duffy. Present, no ex parte. Vice Chairperson Gaffney. Present, no ex parte. Commissioner Blackaby. Present, no ex parte. Commissioner Lunapara. Commissioner O'Keefe. Commissioner Khan. Commissioner Please. Present, no ex parte. Commissioner Sanderson. Present, no ex parte. Thank you. Okay, so we have six here. Uh, welcome, Board Member Blackaby and Board Member Please. Good to have you here. Uh, okay, now we will move to public comment on non-agenda matters. So if anybody here, I don't see any green cards um, that from the public that wish to speak on anything that's not on the agenda. But the way we do this is first we look at the green cards. If anyone is here, you get priority, you came. And then anyone who's online who wishes to speak, they can raise their hand as well. Um, and we'll, they will speak after. So if there's any attendees that wish to speak on non-agenda matters, um, this is your moment. Um, you can raise your hand. If it's something that's not on the agenda, raise your hand now and I'll recognize you. If not, then we'll move on to the agenda. 
I do, I do not see any hands online. I, we, we do have attendees, but there are no hands raised. Okay, so um, there are no agenda changes, and now we'll move to the consent calendar. The consent calendar allows the board to take action without discussion on agenda items for which there's no persons present who wish to speak and no board members who wish to discuss. The consent calendar may include four types of items, the approval of previous meeting minutes, in this case, modifications of existing use permits, items being continued to another meeting, or items noticed for public hearing, which the board decides to move to the consent calendar. So on the consent calendar this evening, we have item number one, the approval of action minutes from December 14th, 2023. We have another item number two, 2420 Shattuck Avenue. Staff recommends that we continue to a date uncertain. We have item number three, 2110 McKinley, a new public hearing, and staff recommendation is to approve their use permit. So that's all that's on the consent calendar this evening. If we have anyone from the public that wishes to speak on the consent calendar, you can at this time. Otherwise, the board will discuss and make a vote. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So I have here item number three on this on the consent calendar. I do have a green card from Julie, who is speaking in support of item number three. Now, item number three is um, slated to be approved on our consent calendar. And so um, if you wish to speak in support of it, you can. However, know that Understood. Um, okay, so then if you opt to not come and speak, um, then the board will discuss the consent calendar and the recommendations now. So seeing no more public comment, then we can uh, close the public hearing. All those in favor say aye. 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 All those against say nay. Okay, so the public hearing is closed on the consent calendar. Now we can discuss board member Gaffney. I'll uh, propose to move the um, consent calendar and the action minutes. Uh, those are included. I'll propose to uh, motion to move the consent calendar. As recommended by staff. As recommended by staff. Okay, great. Do we have a second? Second. A second from board member Sanderson. Okay. Now, uh, discussion on the motion. If anyone would like to say anything. No. Okay. So then now we get to vote on the motion to approve the consent calendar with the action minutes as recommended by staff from board member Gaffney. Thank you. Uh, we have a motion from Vice Chair Gaffney and a second from Commissioner Sanderson. When I call your name, please state your vote. Commissioner Trigu. Aye. Chairperson Duffy. Aye. Vice Chairperson Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Blackaby. Yes. Unapara, O'Keefe, Khan. Commissioner, please. Aye. Commissioner Sanderson. Yes. Okay, the motion passes. The item number three, you have your use permit um, pending two weeks from the notice of decision. There is an appeal period. The project can be appealed. Um, if the project is not appealed, then you have your use permit. 
Okay, item number four, the only item on the action calendar. We'll start with a presentation from staff and then any questions from the board, um, please have them ready for staff. And then we'll have a presentation from the applicant and then we'll have a public hearing and any public comment related to that. Everybody is so well behaved and quiet. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Good evening. Um, I'm going to share my screen. Um, let's see here. Just one moment, please. Okay. All right, there's my presentation. All right, um, good evening everyone, board members and the public. I'm Sharon Gong, I'm the project planner for the city of Berkeley for the 2113 to 2015 Kittredge mixed use project permit application. Use permit ZP 2022-0144 is an application to demolish the existing city landmark movie theater, which is known as the California Theater, while preserving the front facade and construct an 18-story, 203 feet high with an 8-foot parapet, 160,734-square-foot mixed-use building containing 211 units including 22 very low income density bonus qualifying units and a 24,273 square foot live theater space. The project site is a 13,500 square foot rectangular parcel located within the downtown area plan in the CDMU downtown mixed use district's core sub area on Kittredge Street. It's surrounded by properties in the same CDMU zoning district and core sub area, except on the south side where properties are in the CDMU district, but are in the outer core sub area, which generally allows less height than the core. In the vicinity to the sites north are two-story retail and a six-story, the six-story Gaia building which is a multifamily building, uh, which also contains the Marsh Arts Center. To the east of the site is a two-story state historic resource and mixed-use building with three dwelling units and restaurants. Further east is a lot that contains a six-story apartment building with ground floor commercial and public parking. The Banway building, uh, which is UC, part of UC Berkeley, and the Brower Center event venue. Further east, uh, beyond Oxford Street is the UC Berkeley campus. To the south are a two-story triplex and a two-story multifamily dwelling with a commercial storefront. Further southeast is a seven-story mixed-use building with 169 units that is currently under construction. And to the west is a three-story city landmark apartment building 
with ground floor restaurants. So the project proposes to demolish the 10,880 square foot movie theater, California theater that was originally constructed in 1914 as a live performance venue and thereafter operated as a movie theater until it closed in the fall of 2021. The property was designated a city landmark in 2022 and in the designation, the building's front facade and only the building's front facade was listed as the feature to pre to be preserved. The project is proposing to preserve and restore much of the existing facade and marquee while adding windows to accommodate the new building uses. The project was reviewed by the Landmarks Preservation Commission under a structural alteration permit. At the October 5th meeting uh, last year, the LPC approved the, pro the project with a categorical exemption from CEQA pursuant to the exemption for historical resource restoration and rehabilitation due to the project's consistency with the Secretary of Interior standards for rehabilitation. And in this slide, you can see the existing California theater facade on the lower photograph. And on the upper photograph is the proposed new building with the restored facade. The proposal is a mixed-use building that utilizes state density bonus with the following main components. 18 stories, 203 feet in height, 8-foot parapet, 211 dwelling units with 133 studios, 66 two-bedroom, and 12 four-bedroom units, 313 bedrooms in total. The live theater space is 24,273 square feet. Uh, there are 12... 1,539 square feet of usable open space in two private balconies, a marquee balcony on level two, and roof decks on levels 16, 17, and 18. And there are two parklets, approximately 75 square feet each in the public right-of-way along Kittredge. As you can see in the photo on the left, um, the gold, uh, golden metal uh, enclosures on either side of the uh, the front facade. And there is 105 space by basement parking, uh, bike parking room and eight short-term bike parking spaces. Now the project was uh, found to be exempt from CEQA review under the categorical exemption for historic resources, uh, his restoration and rehabilitation, as I mentioned, and also meets the requirements for categorical exemption for infill development projects and therefore was not subject to sequel review. The project qualifies for a state density bonus by providing 22 very low income units for a 50% bonus to add 70 bonus units to the 141 base 141 unit base project for a total of 211 units in the final project. Two concessions are requested to provide less than the minimum required usable open space and to provide less than the minimum required landscaped usable open space. Waivers are also requested for height, setbacks, the diagonal width above 120 feet in height, and short-term bike parking, all to accommodate the project on the site. In addition, the project is eligible for approval according to the State Housing Accountability Act, or HAA, Pursuant to the HAA, because the project is compliant with all objective, general plan, and zoning standards, it cannot be denied 
nor can the density be reduced unless findings can be made that the project would cause a specific adverse impact that cannot be feasibly mitigated. And finally, the project is also eligible for Senate Bill 330 Streamline Review. And this meeting tonight is the third out of five possible public meetings that the city can hold for review and decision on the project. The city can hold two additional public hearings on this project with the last public hearing to be reserved for a potential appeal to city council. And that concludes staff's presentation and I can take any questions that you that you might have. Any questions? Board member Sanderson. Um, I was surprised that um, the proposal to demolish the building wasn't considered demolishing, uh, was exempt from CEQA. Um, and um, the whole building is being demolished and they're proposing to save the front facade. The front, I, I understand vaguely what was said about um, when it was landmarked, the or whatever the front facade was considered the only element worth preserving. Um, but this seems different from other landmarked buildings in the city that have been demolished. So um, if staff could help me understand that, in particular, uh, you referenced this reus uh, what was it called? That it complied with the requirements for restoration, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mouthful of words. Yes. Um, explain to me what that requires and I'm um, and how that allows this to not um, be subject to CEQA. Um, I, I won't speak for the LPC. Um, however, um, this project did go to the LPC uh, over two meetings. Mm -hmm. um, during which the LPC reviewed the project and reviewed consistency with Secretary of Interior Standards for Rehabilitation. Um, as uh, I mentioned before, the um, landmark uh, designation was only for the front facade. And so um, LPC reviewed the treatment of the front facade and also the entire proposal of the building uh, to be built behind it uh, and above it and worked with the applicant team to revise the design to be compatible with the uh, facade that was going to be kept and restored. And so overall, the LPC in the end uh, was satisfied with the treatment of the, uh, the restoration and the re rehabilitation and felt it was uh, in compliance with Secretary of Interior Standards and so was um, eligible for the exemption from CEQA because of that. Um, so and you're also saying were... that the only thing that was landmarked is that piece of front facade? The rest of the building was not landmarked? That is my understanding, yes. that's um, The LPC um, notice of decision is attached to the staff report. So if you do want to review the details of uh, the LPC's decision and findings, um, that would be a good place to kind of uh, familiarize herself with their whole thought process and findings that they okay. made for the decision. 
Board Member Blackaby. A couple questions real quickly on the uh, on the concessions, on the open space concessions, just so I understand. And those are in exchange for the um, the balconies and the roof deck and also in exchange for the landscaping irrigation and reinforcement on the way. So that those two concessions are in exchange for those additions to the project. Is that how I read that? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by in exchange. Sorry, yeah. um, the two. The concessions are um, concessions are essentially a cost savings for the project to provide for the affordable units in the building, um, and they were requesting to provide less than the minimum required total of usable open space uh, according to the development standards in the district, and also to provide less than the minimum required uh, portion of that total that is required to be landscaped. So they were allowed to have less than the required minimums. Got it. Okay. Thank you. I have a question. Um, have there been, or, or to what extent have you had discussions with the, the property to the West and any impacts that there might be uh, regarding the property line condition? And impacts, of course, uh, in, in addressing the sort of functionality of existing uses. Um, there have been some. Um, I have received some uh, communications from uh, property owners uh, to the west concerned about the loss of the alleyway uh, that was being used uh, that is on the uh, theater property. Uh, that was being used by those businesses back there. Um, we did have a discussion um, a while back with the fire department because there was some concern about fire escapes and egress. Um, at that time, the fire department expressed that they uh, they weren't involved with private disputes between property owners. Um, and so that was where that discussion was left. And I believe the property owner for the theater uh, said that, well, you know, that's the property line. The property line is where our property ends, and that is our, uh, we have the right to do what we want with it at, up to the property line. So I don't know beyond that what conversations um, resulted from that, uh, from those discussions. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? Board Member Sanderson. Can you tell me if there will be any pile driving in this project? Pile driving. Um, yeah. I guess um, that sounds like if there were piers that were required to be driven into the ground. Well, I'm actually I'm seeing, not I'm sure. I'm seeing hand motion from the applicants. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. they know the answer. that They can better answer. Driven, not, okay. Not, not driven, not drived. Okay. Thank you. That's terrific. Okay, seeing no more questions for staff at this time. Now we'll move to an applicant presentation. The applicant has, has five minutes to share uh, their the, the project uh, with the board. And do you have, you have a computer? Sometimes people present from a computer there, but if, if you'd like to come to the podium, um, please do. Yeah, I'm going to be sharing the, my screen for their presentation as well. Okay, so then they don't need to sit yes. at the 
table. We have an actual foam core board. This is like this. Yeah, this is bringing me back. This is bringing me back. It's, it, the, the technology could fail and we still can see what's in front of us. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, welcome. Um, thank you, Mr. Chair, members of the ZAB. Um, gives me great pleasure to be here tonight. It's It's been quite a process. It's been complicated, uh, and uh, it's a very complicated project. I can't possibly get into the level of detail that I should for you guys in five minutes. I'm going to be skipping over a lot. Please, there's a lot of questions that you can ask. I'm happy to come back to. I'd like to introduce Darshan and uh, Nishka from Studio KDA, who are going to uh, introduce the design elements of the project. Um, and I'm here to talk a little bit about how we got here. I'm also happy to later on as a question, perhaps help go into some more detail on the CEQA piece and the landmarking, which I was involved with when it happened. Um, also want to thank, uh, let's see, let's go to the next slide, please. Also want to thank planning staff, um, Fatima Crane, landmark secretary, Claudia Garcia, Sharon Gong. Again, very complicated project um, and staff has been there with us all the way. I want to thank the Landmarks Commission as well, uh, who had the vision to see this through. Um, and of course, the community and the zoning adjustments board for allowing us to be here tonight. Next slide, please. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on the project statistics. Uh, Sharon already did a really good job of that. Um, but I will uh, reemphasize that this is in the downtown core. Um, this is taller than perhaps the downtown plan might have anticipated, uh, but certainly uh, it fits right in with the level of intensity, pedestrian orientation, services, transportation, et cetera, that our downtown provides. Campus around the corner, BART two blocks away, and all kinds of walkable downtown amenities. Next slide, please. Um, this project has a lot uh, of amenity and a lot of community benefit. 211 units, there'll be 22 um, uh, below market rate units in perpetuity, plus another $5 million or so check, uh, 4.5 to $5 million in housing trust fund fees. Next slide, please. Um, and other fees and community benefits. I, I, again, I won't go through all of them. Uh, let's go back one slide. There. Uh, lots of other fees and, and benefits to the city, but the best one, the most important one in my mind, beyond housing units, which I've been advocating for for so long in our town, is this performing arts theater. Um, I have been fortunate to have been a part of helping bring the theater consortium uh, to this project. My client, uh, Christian Seria and Gilbane Development, were an open book with respect to the theater. And we even there's even another architectural firm, Marcy Wong, who's involved with putting together the theater interior. You'll see some of that some of those slides in a minute. Next slide, please. So, you know, these are the theater groups uh, that we're working with here. You're going to hear from some of them, I think, uh, later on uh, this evening is part of the public hearing. Um, and it's really incredible to see all these nonprofit um, performing arts groups uh, coming uh, potentially to a new home. Film, uh, live performances, and music. Wow. I mean... We've got the rep. We've got lots of great amenities downtown, but this is something much well beyond that. Next slide, please. A little bit on the interior. And uh, you can see the cutaway views, uh, how complicated this thing is. Three floors, 325 seats in a raked uh, seating auditorium with a fly tower. 
and with uh, under space for uh, a practice and dressing rooms and the whole nine yards. It's just incredible. And um, next slide, please. That small theater court that's going to be to the west of the project in the sort of alley area is actually going to be the, the theater court uh, where uh, patrons be able to go out there during intermissions before and after shows. That's going to help enliven the sidewalk out there um, during performances. And uh, I would add that we spent a, a fair amount of time uh, next slide, please, uh, with our neighbors uh, who brought their wisdom to help us design the streetscape. Next slide, please. Um, this facade preservation helps keep that historic street space escape. And let me turn it over to Darshan and Nishka and please give them an extra minute or two because I hogged all their time. I just would like to say I'll pause your time for a moment here and just say that um, it likely we'll have this is a very, very important project and it's a, it's a project that we all want to know a lot about. So we will likely have questions for you and you'll be able to uh, um, um, we'll make sure that we hear and, and our, that our questions are addressed. So do know that. Um, welcome. Well, thank, Hi. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Zap Commissioners. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here on behalf of Studio KDA and the whole team that put this project together. Um, uh, look forward to your questions. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time, um, next slide, working with, um, you know, the existing facade, the preserved facade for inspiration, uh, you know, drawing uh, Art Deco references into the building, working with the massing, trading a compatible but different uh, massing from not only the streetscape, but really from all views around the downtown core. Uh, we we uh, we further broke down mass using vertical columns of, you know, precast using kind of subtle tones. And we worked with the LPC on several variations of uh, colors and materials, as well as the top step back and i'm going to turn it over to thank Nishka you so she can uh, talk I, to well i would like to just say though that the five five minutes is up but if the board has a does have a question for the applicant please ask it now would you like to would anybody from the board like to hear the rest of the applicant statement Okay, board member Sanderson would like to hi welcome. Sorry for the complications and formalities, but welcome. No worries. Good evening, everyone. Um, if you go to the next slide, please. Uh, one more, please. Thank you. So here you can really begin to see the influence of the historic facade on the new design, and yet both facades are still distinct. The historic facade maintains a pedestrian scale along Kittridge Street, and you can see that the gold accents not only connect both facades, but also extend out to a street level. Um, you can see that via the parklets, and as Mark previously mentioned, this came about from a discussion with the Oxford Plaza residents. Here we've also decided to retain the poster displays, ticket booth, and theater entrance, which are iconic to the marquee. And additionally, after speaking with the Art Deco Society, we've decided to restore the neon lighting, which is characteristic of the theater facade. The 10-foot setback that the tower facade has, which came as a recommendation from LPC, also helps to preserve and highlight the historic facade. The theater's tripartite design and Art Deco ornamentation play an influential role in the overall compatibility of the design and help to bring together two complementary facades. We're happy to further discuss the design elements and answer any questions that the board may have. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions from the board at this time to the applicant? Board Member Sanderson. God, don't you rest? You guys have some questions. I don't have to be the first, you know. Um, 
I was just skimming through the conditions of approval. I don't find anything in there. Um, I may have missed it uh, about managing the theater. And as you know, we've had some difficulty in the past in the city of Berkeley when we have these theaters and people get all excited and then like they kind of disappear somehow. The, the theater for this project isn't being offered as a community benefit. Okay. It's a potential partnership between the consortium of nonprofit performing arts groups uh, and the project developer. They need to raise a lot of money. Uh, right. We're going to do everything that we can to help them. This community, I think, is really going to get behind this effort. But it's so if the theater isn't able for some terrible reason, we'll probably have to come back and modify just to have okay. re retail. But there's no condition that says you got to have this available so many days of the week. No, no. Okay. All right. Thank you. Board Member Tregu. Thank you. Good to see you, Mark. Um, can you just, um, I mean, we might hear from members of the public later, but if you could just summarize the discussions that you had with the west-facing neighbors or other members of the public. The the issue, well, we, we so we've, for the project, we've met with the Art Deco Society. we met with Oxford Plaza neighbors and had a lot of email exchange with them. They brought a lot of wisdom to the ground plane out front because they live there. They see what happens there when it gets busy and they really helped us think that through. Um, the neighbors to the West, my understanding is uh, you know, there's been use of the, um, the West side of the theater's property uh, for some amount of time, uh, primarily to access trash. That access is going to go away uh, with this project. I think they've been alerted to that. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, like many businesses in the downtown, my own included, trash cans are going to have to go back inside the buildings instead of being out in the back. Because uh, I think that the distance between their building and the property line is only two feet. And that the area in question is the theater's courtyard. Thank you. Uh, and did I read correctly in the staff report that this is a lead platinum building? I saw that. Uh, I don't believe so. It will be uh, gold equivalent or lead gold certified. And certainly, I think that, well, Title 24 requirements have made it very difficult uh, to get to platinum in some ways. However, given its location and transit accessibility, there's a shot uh, at platinum for this project, I think, if you lead, use uh, lead for neighborhoods. Thank you. Board member Blackaby. Hi, Mark. Um, can you talk a little bit about the outdoor spaces, the parklets? Just kind of curious. That's going to be a, a way a lot of the folks experience the building, walk around downtown. Can you just highlight some of those elements for us? Um, Nishka, let me let me bring the the, the designer up uh, or Darshan, either one, to talk about that. Yeah, it's really cool. Sure. If you want to go back a few slides, I think we have some great examples of the parklets and how the street level can interact with them. Sharon, are we able to go back a few slides, please? Uh, back one more, please. One more, one more. Uh, there we go, thank you. So here you can really see the street state level plan. Um, we brought back some of the terrazzo flooring in the entrance, and we've also bulked out the streets. Uh, this was concern that was expressed from the Oxford Plaza residents that 
with all the construction going on, um, they were a little concerned with the safety and with the initial depth of the sidewalk. So we bulbed it out, added some parklets. Um, the gold tone in the parklets also works well with the gold tone that is in the ornamentation in the theater facade. And this also ties into the art deco detailing that we have in the fence area, which will open up to the courtyard. And that can allow for a lot of indoor-outdoor connectivity and flow between those attending the theater and those wanting to socialize outside. And if I if I may add, the main entrance to the theater is going to remain the the main entrance that exists today for the theaters as you see it there. That's going to remain um, to the right. If you're a resident, that's where you will go in. The box office will remain a box office for the new performing arts theater use, and the left-hand doorways will take you into the new theater lobby. So that's all going to become very functional, functional uh, reuse of that space. Board member, please. Um, wonderful project. I think it's really, really phenomenal. Um, really great work. <laughs> but I, I'm just curious. I'm new on the board. I'm just subbing in. And I just figured I'd ask a question. <laughs> um, I'm curious what the material, the brown facade material on the upper podium is and how that particular color choice was made. Yeah, no, thank <laughs> you. We, we went through several rounds with LPC and kind of the design review. And so it was really kind of an effort where we, we put forth um, um, a few designs and kind of, um, it's a precast concrete um, that we're using. So there's some smooth, there's some with aggregate. So there's there's texture in the panels, there's dimensionality to the to the facade. And what we what uh what we kind of agreed to kind of collectively through the hearing process was a warmer tone. We did have kind of some cooler and darker, kind of some more monochromatic. Um, we liked the little the little punch, and that was kind of the that the thing that we thought was when we looked at too to the um to the west. We've got this nice sort of like rich sort of tan brick. And we kind of looked at that, that there's sort of the neutrals with the warm tone was the most complimentary um, with there. And then also kind of creating a little bit, um, um, it's not a you know bright white, but the existing facades preserved and kind of that state. So sort of a backdrop to to that. So we went through a couple of different rounds, but uh, um, there's going to be a few tones of precast concrete panels that are going to comprise the stone. And then at the top, we've set back the the top um, areas of the roof decks those those will kind of paid out the Lehman more neutral kind of almost to kind of create a more fading out effect so that everything is kind of focused on the primary tower where we have nice symmetry um, that will be the kind of primary views and the more the roof deck will kind of be more penthouse type structures that will be kind of pulled away from the facade. Thank you. What one last cool note on the facade little thing the marquee is actually not just going to be a marquee. We're going to reuse it as a deck railing. There's going to be a, a balcony deck behind that built in. I have a non-design non question, but one that I remember when we just previewed this before the board in the past, there was, a, there was public comment about a general concern around um, projects under construction downtown and general sidewalk accessibility. And I know that there's already in the code and and as a required transportation construction plan already in place uh, that, that you must apply for. But if you could maybe just speak to an acknowledgement of that or anything else you might do, or that would be great. Sure, thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
There's a lot of work going on in our downtown right now. Uh, we haven't seen change like this in downtown Berkeley since the 1920s. Um, and it, it is impactful. There's uh, the sidewalks, uh, many sidewalks, some of the streets uh, get blocked off from time to time. Um, what we'll try to do is keep those impacts as small as possible. We don't anticipate being under construction until after the project across the street is finished, essentially. Uh, so that side of the street should be able to open up in time for our piece of the street probably to shut down for the duration of construction. But it's also, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to sit down with our neighbors at Oxford Plaza and talk about it, you know, because they've been living with that across the street, the noise, the dust, uh, the congestion, the scooters, and, you know, what's coming after that, you're going to put, you know, two, three hundred people in this building. Um, there, It's just going to be congested all the time. So that's why it became important for us to in a finished project, have wider sidewalks, the parklets, um, keep the bicycle parking uh, away uh, a little bit, and really just try to celebrate the entrance out there um, um, with space, uh, more or less. So, but but yeah, it is, it's a problem. Uh, we'll try to minimize it to the extent possible. There'll be a walk around uh, the front of it, so you'll still should still have access up and down the sidewalk. I think that condition exists for the one across the street right now, I think. So, so yeah, I, I know it's an issue. It's a problem, but we need housing. Thank you. Any other questions? Board Member Sanderson. Can you, exp um, well, two things. One, the, the quote parklet. When I look at the picture of them, they're very sterile. I wouldn't call them parklet. I'd just call them a little seat with a table. And um, was there ever any discussion about making those softer? I mean, I'm not wild about the gold. I would rather it be something more human friendly. I, I appreciate that comment. Um, how the Landmarks Commission really liked them in particular because they do sort of harken back to that Art Deco uh, sort of style. These are not parklets that are going to be used all the time uh, by the project. Um, it'll be used by the cafe to the east, maybe uh, some the cafe to the west, um, but but yeah, we also just really wanted to keep them out of the way and not take up too much parking. Well, if this is part of your public open space, correct? No, no, we're not trying to take you credit didn't do for any that. Public open no, space. no. So if the it's not it, the, 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 the privately owned public open space has to be on the property. So is this considered space that the public could use? Yes. If the hotel, if the restaurant decides they're going to take them over and use them and go out there with menus and blah, blah, blah. Is that allowed? You can't do table service at a parklet. Okay. And all parklets in Berkeley are open to all public at all times. Good. Thank you. Oh, and the other question is, can you help explain the a little bit on the environmental review process? Sure. Uh, I was involved uh, in the landmarking process as well. Um, there was, uh, uh, of course... Uh, when the when the property uh, was put up for sale, uh, at the same time as another uh, Art Deco style theater in the downtown, or or near the same time, there was a lot of reaction uh, to that. And you know, a lot of folks from the Art Deco Society of California, uh, Berkeley Architectural Heritage Association, um, to landmark the building and the property. Um, we made the case, and the uh, uh, I don't know six. Maybe seven of the landmarks commissioners agreed 
there's a lot of brick buildings in Berkeley. And when you look down <laughs> on the downtown of Berkeley, there's a lot of old brick buildings. Yeah. So it wasn't the shell behind the facade that was architecturally or historically significant. It was the facade that was his, uh, architecturally significant. So they limited the landmarking, the, um, um, what's it called? The uh, uh, character defining element was the facade uh, and the marquee. And so by preserving this facade and marquee, even though the building is being demolished, the landmark itself is not. And by backing it off 10 feet and by creating a building that um, um, uses some of that architectural detailing in it, the Landmarks Commission felt comfortable that, in fact, the, the landmark was being appropriately dealt with and that the building behind it wouldn't be a significant impact on that facade. And I think... That's really kind of a broader recognition, maybe, by the Landmarks Commission of our downtown wanting to preserve the streetscapes, but at the same time, making room for new housing. So, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Any other questions at this time? Okay. See, seeing none, we'll thank you very much. Um, we now will move to public comments. We'll begin with those that are here in person and then anybody online. Public comment, um, I'd say we have six people here that wish to speak. Um, if you wish to speak online, please raise your hand. Okay, I see, I see one. Okay, so that's seven. I'll uh, have public comment. Um, you, be limited to two minutes, and we'll begin. We'll begin with this one, and I don't uh, ch some chold or I'm not sure who who this is. It's hard to read the name. Is it a chodd? Chad? Is that it? Thadd? All right, I made it. C-H-A-D-D, Chad, welcome. Next is Young, and then Jennifer, and then we have three more. Okay. Chad, welcome. Thank you. Hi, thank you very much. Um, I did give a letter, but I don't know if it got in time, uh, so it may have been late. See, the uh, I am the resident manager of the Amherst apartment building to the west the one where there's a shared alley. So we uh, deeply will contest them taking away that alley from the uh, exit of our building, as well as the removal of trash. Uh, there's really no way uh, that, the, uh, the, uh, that the trash can be removed from the apartments except for that. And there's no other fire exit other than the front door. So I did give you a uh, synopsis uh, of, of those. And uh, <clears throat> the owner, Robert uh, John, is, uh, is here as well. So uh, the owner is, is deeply concerned about the construction damaging his foundation. And that, uh, that alley has been shared for ever since he owned it over 35 years ago. Uh, as well as going all the way back probably to the original construction of, of, the, of the theater. So uh, we would like to somehow address that issue. 
and perhaps maybe even contest it with litigation. Uh, now, is there, uh, has a study been done about collateral damage to the Amherst apartment building adjacent to this construction? Does anybody know that or not? And how would one find out? I, I can give a little background on the issue. I mean, we've had that. Hold on one second, because okay. this is a public comment period, so this is not a time when he gets to ask questions of the board, if that's okay. You can, when, during discussion, she may choose to answer the question, but please go ahead. You've got 20 more seconds. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So um, that, is, that is the primary concern, uh, the access to that alley uh, for fire exit or removal of trash, and that it has been um, um, uh, community property since the very beginning of, uh, of these buildings. So uh, that's about my two minutes. Did, did uh, you receive my, uh, my letter of this kind or not? Do you know? Thank you. Secretary Garcia, did we, we, we did it? not receive it in time to forward it to the commission. Okay. Can Thank I you. submit it after the fact? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I can forward it can over I just to them. To you right now? Yes. Thank you. Person-to-person -person interaction right there. Um, it doesn't have to be digitally submitted. We did receive public comment um, in our packet that was regarding this issue. So yeah. this isn't the first time that we've heard it or seen it. Sure. Um, but thank you. Thank right. you very much. So the owner's son is here, and he would like to uh, make a statement as well. Okay. Young, if I would like to call up Young Jion. Hello, and thank welcome. Hi. Thank you. And as Chad um, uh, has stated, and as you, Mr. Duffy, and Trey Group have uh, mentioned, there is impact to the neighboring property that I don't think anyone has mentioned. Uh, the presentation was all this new shiny property. That's fine. I understand we need development and we need performing arts, but you have to understand the concerns of the neighboring property. That property is over 100 years old. We're worried about a lateral and subjacent uh, support and damages that occurs therein, and that alleyway has not been resolved. There is legal precedence that says that we should be able to use that alleyway, whether it be a prescriptive easement or an easement or some other form. So our attorneys are going back and forth. So that's in dispute. And until we get some assurances that the building would, will be designed and built without any type of damages on our property, which like I said, is over 100 years old, then I'm opposed to it. And we will fight with, through any legal means that's available. And we um, you know, look toward your guidance to you know, kind of guide us or to tell us which way would be the best avenue. Okay, so that's about it right there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year. Okay. We have four more people in person. We have Jennifer, then Glenn, Chuck, and then Stephen. Jennifer, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Jennifer Bozing. I'm the producing artistic director of YMTC, which is a year-round musical theater training company. I'm also the co-founder and co-project manager of the California Theater Consortium. If you will bear with me, I'm just going to give you a quick piece of history that you all might know about. Um, I don't know. Um, 
But the Julia Morgan used to be a performing arts center. It wasn't the, now home to the Berkeley Playhouse. It was a very small community producing organization for many, many, many Berkeley-based arts orgs and actually beyond. Um, and when that ceased to become a performing arts center, there were many of us, Berkeley Ballet, um, YMTC, Destiny Arts, uh, uh, Berkeley Opera, now known as West Edge Opera, um, that had to be dispersed and had to find homes elsewhere. And we've been nomadic ever since. So what I did is about a decade ago, I, I started working on this um, idea of a consortium of arts organizations. And we started thinking about how to create a new performing arts space in Berkeley to give a home to these people who are serving so many families, so many communities, um, and had deep, deep roots in Berkeley and really felt like we need this. We need a community space for these. There was educational organizations, there were performance organizations. We were doing symphony and dance and opera and theater. Um, and we uh, had uh, hit or miss luck with that. We, uh, Some of you might have um, remembered the Oaks, the top of Solano. We worked for a very long time to try to work with the uh, owner of that property at that time to, tra to transform that into a performing arts center. Um, we came up against a lot of resistance with various different um, realtors and, um, and uh, owners um, over, the, over time. Um, but in the meantime, continue to work and create an idea of a consortium and how that would work, how we would run such a place, what the structure of it would be. And when the California Theater came about, and I've got 10 seconds, uh, enter Gilbane, they've been nothing but supportive and open and have really um, been an incredible partner through this project. So we've really found a way to move forward. We uh, formed a 501c3, and we've got many more arts orgs now involved, and it's going to be Christmas morning every day for these arts groups uh, once this theater is open. So um, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That sounds very, very exciting. I thought when I had heard the repre representative from the consortiums here, I thought there might be a song or some other type of performance. I was ready, but thank you. Uh, Chair Duffy, I would just like to clarify for the record that the letter that Chad referenced during his comment was attached to the report as attachment nine. Okay, thank you. So then we did see the letter. That is the letter that I was speaking about. Thank you very much. Okay. Next up, we've got Glenn, Chuck, and Stephen. Good evening. I'm Glenn Epperson. I'm one of the, the other founders of the consortium. I represent the consortium, the group of theaters, not any individual group, not any individual performing arts group, but as a as true consortium to make this project work. We work closely with Gilbane to make the theater work, the architects, and have a business plan that we believe can make it a viable theater um, to make the community vibrant um, there. It's um, about all I have to say. Thank you. Chuck Leonard, welcome. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Thank you uh, for allowing me to speak uh, this evening. Uh, Happy New Year. My name is uh, Chuck Leonard. I'm the political representative for Plumbers and Steamfitters Local 342. I'm here on behalf of several dozen Berkeley residents who belong to the East Bay Residents for Responsible Development. These hardworking men and women are members of my union, electrical, sheet metal, and sprinkler fitter trade unions. The ZAB should not approve the project because the city has not complied with CEQA and the project does not meet general plan workforce standards. First, 
The project is not exempt from environmental review under CEQA because the site is contaminated with lead, benzene, and other chemicals that are not safe for residential development and require cleanup. Project construction may endanger worker safety and result significant water quality and public health impacts unless mitigation is required. The city also did not prepare a health risk analysis to determine whether the project's air quality and public health effects from construction and operation are significant. The city cannot exempt the project from sequel without evidence showing that there are no significant impacts. The city should re re prepare an environmental impact report for the project. Second, the project is inconsistent with General Pan policies to promote the welfare of local workers, and sustainable economic development. The project may be built with low-wage, out-of-area workers who lack the livable wages or health benefits that Berkeley has committed for its workers. The project should include voluntary conditions with construction apprenticeship training opportunities for Berkeley and Alameda County residents, local hire, healthcare expenditures for its construction workforce that are in line with the general plan's workforce goals. Such conditions would also be consistent with the city's new hard hats ordinance. If you thank could you finish your, your thought, oh, you're thank, done. Thank you for your considerations. Thank you so much. You. Apologies for the interruption. You're two minutes on the mark. Thank you. Chuck, that was Chuck Leonard. Thank you. Stephen Scheuler. Welcome. Evening. Uh, my name is Steven Schuyler. I am the Oxford Plaza resident who is spearheaded the concerns about what's going on here. Um, the inlet that um, they're talking about that stick out. I'm suggesting that you do not just have it right there. Have it go all the way because the students who live there are going to be walking in front of my building to go in back and forth to the college. We have disabled people in my building. The two people living directly next door to me are blind. They've never seen the sunrise. How are they going to go around the corner to Target just to buy a loaf of bread? There's people in wheelchairs. Whatever you do, you better make sure that that sidewalk can pass ADA scrutiny. Right now, this moment, that sidewalk is no wider than four plastic garbage cans. You line them up, that's how wide the sidewalk is. I'm sorry, but with the building that we're talking about here, plus the building that's already under construction, you're talking about putting 1,000 people within 300 feet of my front door. I've lived in this building since 2009 when it was built. I'm one of the original residents. I'd like to be able to go outside and walk my dog without having to be molested by a thousand people. And uh, there are 300 people in my building. So whatever you do, you have to be able to be aware of doing eyes wide open that you're affecting 300 people. 
And the builder and the planner have been very generous to talk to us. There's a lot of builders that screw you and just do whatever they want. But that inlet, if you're going to approve those, go all the way, because those people are not going to be walking just in the inlet. They're going to be occupying the entire sidewalk. So if you're going to approve it that way, you do it the entire way. If you don't, then you're disrespecting all 300 of us. So thank you. Make if sure you, you could wrap up your if, wrap right. up anything else. So, you know, just do it eyes wide open that you're affecting 300 people with whatever you decide to do. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, so that is everybody in person that is a green card. We'll now go online for anybody who wishes to speak, um, please raise your hand now. And after that, the applicant will have a chance to address any of the public comment. Okay, uh, Kelly Hammergren, I see your hand and you are recognized. But we didn't hear you yet. Oh, there you are. Thank you. I have four questions, four things. Okay, the bicycle room, is that also going to be set up for scooters when we're out and about? We see probably almost as many scooters these days as bicycles. And I understand now that bicycle rooms are to be fire rated. Um, so I think we need to ask that question to make sure that uh, the bicycle room will be fire rated. Um, the balconies, I can't tell on the balconies, and I was scanning the plans whether the front on those balconies is plexi or is it some kind of fencing. Uh, the plexi would be very dangerous for birds. They get caught on there, like the bird, uh, the falcon um, from the campanile that got caught in a balcony with a with a glass front and died. So I'm hoping that there's a, that it's not a plexi, which is what it looks like in the drawings. Um, the performing arts, this is very exciting. Um, I would think that they would be able to do film there too, but I would just like to pose uh, that question of, uh, is it possible for film also? Um, then that might make that area use uh, be usable every day of the week instead of just events. I mean, if we think about the Berkeley rep, there's many days that that complex is closed and there's no shows. Uh, and then the bird safe glass. What is the commitment on bird safe glass? And Sharon Gong, I'm glad that you have this project because this has come up with your projects before in terms of an old um, EIR that said that these types of buildings, the birds are likely to crash into buildings and that as they fly towards the hills. So um, what is that commitment? Uh, this is gonna be a, a big hazard for birds. Thank you, I see I'm out of time. I was looking at my notes, thank you. Thank you, Kelly Hammergren. Okay, seeing no, seeing no more online public comment, um, we now have, there is an opportunity, a two minute opportunity for the applicant to please address anything uh, you, you wish. Uh, 
prior to our discussion amongst the board. Thank you, Mr. Welcome. Chair. I, I, I think I can be brief. Um, projects absolutely exempt from CEQA. Uh, the air quality study in, in question was completed. Uh, it's in the package, should be a part of the, uh, the project uh, that you see. Uh, and, and we passed. Uh, the soils were under agreement with Alameda County uh, with the Regional Water Quality Control Board uh, to address that uh, before we, during uh, soil removal and early construction phase, uh, which it also entitled us uh, to remain in the exemption category. Um, with that said, oh, and to answer a couple of questions that Kelly brought up, yes, there'll be scooters, and yes, there'll be fire sprinklers in the scooter and bicycle room. Um, on bird safe glass, we're bird safing to 36 feet and assessing uh, um, the rest. Uh, as we indicated for the Landmarks Commission, um, the theater is set up for film. If you take a look at the ground floor plan in there, there's a big sound and uh, projector area uh, in the middle of the seating. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, the balconies uh, will have glass on the front of them. And let me introduce Christian Syria with Gilbane Development. I think he'll address the, um, the, uh, the issue with the property owner to the west. Thank if you. I, if I may. Welcome. Just couple of cleanup questions. You did a great job, but a uh, few you left out. So uh, the parklets, those were heavily uh, talked about after having vehicular traffic impede another theater. We thought it was really necessary since we have an outdoor terrace to try to protect those patrons that will be out in the terrace. So we came up with the parklets also allowing for more space. Um, we do need a drop off. So unfortunately with, you know, we've worked closely with uh, Oxford Plaza um, and they were great. Um, and others in that community, actually really like this plan that we came up with. Um, so can't make everybody happy, but we did speak with them at length. Similarly with um, the uh, property owner to the West, we actually met with them. We went in the basement, we had a construction team there. Um, the issue is very simple. They've been using land that's owned by the existing theater. Um, and you know we were in working with them to try to figure out their trash, trash, solution, trash solutions. Um, in Berkeley, as you know, most of the trash is from the front. They have the luxury of having two and a half, three feet in the back that they still could utilize their own land. Uh, the rest of it should be used for the theater because that's who owns it. Um, and the other property owners don't have an issue and we've been working with them. So we've had constant communication with them. Um, they are a corner lot. So they also have independent access to the alley as well. And they have two sides. So there's more than ample space as well as in their basement. That's as they may need to handle that themselves. And we're willing to work with them and have worked with them to date. Um, as for the union, um, that's the first time I've met Chuck. Um, that says a lot about what has come about. We're very proactive as a company. Um, I've spoken with one union member um, in the last week, and we're more than open to having further discussions of having union, partial union on this job. Um, this is not an hard hat ordinance, obviously, and um, this needs to be economical. We have you know, a large investment um, with a 501c3. This is not a cheap construction thing. And to answer uh, Deborah's earlier point about um, just the theater in general, this was designed, it's purpose built. It's not just a throw in a theater kind of a thing. We went all or nothing, truly. Um, and so if we need to remove the theater, if it doesn't work out, we have to come back to you um, because this is designed from the ground up from the core, which is the main part of this building, all the way to the egress. Everything is designed with the theater in mind. There's not too many uh, retail options for 22 plus thousand square feet. Um, and so we truly have had a great working relationship with CTC, 100% behind them, and really appreciate Mark for introducing 
there is a great need as we understood it and he introduced us um, to that so just hopefully that clears up the majority of it and there is ample open space i hate hearing that we have to have a concession there's a lot of open space that we did we're just a smidge under what it is um and so for the residents and also um for the theater and it's really been a uh, symbiotic relationship trying to balance that program and get all of that in one building um, while also preserving the front facade so you can imagine this this is a complicated building and one that we're very very uh, pleased with to date so really appreciate your time hopefully that answers. thank you while you're here sure shoot if it's okay that the board could ask you a few questions before we close the public hearing board member Treku. Thank you. Um, not sure if I thank you for addressing a number of questions. Um, if you addressed this one, I missed it. Apologies. But can you speak to the gentleman's concern about the inlets? My understanding is it gets to the width of the sure. sidewalk so and access. The main concern is, you know, the sidewalks are, are what the sidewalks are, right? And so what we were trying to do is um, at the same time as when this vehicular jumped the curb. Um, and so at that point, I said, I, in good conscience, cannot not have a barrier there in addition. He's talking about the car that ran into the theater uh, up in the Elmwood. Sorry, probably should have gave more context, but I assume it's local. Everyone knows um, that was a big, that was happening when we were talking with the Oxford uh, residents. And so that in combination with the sidewalk, uh, what we try to do is pull some seating away from, you know, we wanted to have some space because people are going to be waiting to get into the theater. Um, and so there should be some type of space, but we also cannot lose parking, right? And so, and a drop-off area. So we're trying to balance a couple of things here because also people who are going to the theater need a spot such as handicapped um, people and they would need to get dropped off. And so there needs to be an adequate amount of space in the front to accommodate them as well for the theater purposes, also for residents that might be handicapped. In addition to the, you know, so we're trying to balance a bunch of things. We have two different uses in the building, right? One residential, one theater. We also want to protect the safety of the alleyway from the theater patrons that will spill out into that. And so having a parklet is a barrier for that, but also a way for to invite the community to share in this, um, you know, experience in the front. I mean, it's going to be breathtaking having an actual neon marquee revitalized and have kind of this this feeling at the ground level that it's activated. It's not been that way because of the pandemic. And as you've heard, many theaters have gone dormant. So this is bringing that back to life and for the next 100 years uh, with this organization and working with us as well. Hopefully that answers it a little long-winded, but. Yeah, thank you. And I have one more, but I think this is actually for staff, but it's related. Can you just remind me and maybe other members of the board the status of the board safe class ordinance i know this project wouldn't it wouldn't apply to this project because it you know the application came in before but mm -hmm. has the city council approved something or is it still a recommendation from the planning commission and regardless what is the yeah. like i'm kind of trying to figure out conformance of what they're trying to do with what the proposal says. Bird safe measures were adopted. And so any new applications that are vesting after that adoption are required to comply. <clears throat> As you noted, this project vested before that. So it's not required to comply. And what is the bird safe class requirement? What is the height? Um, maybe Mark, you, you might know this. I think the city's ordinance goes up to 100 feet. 
Uh, we've agreed voluntarily to go to 36 feet and look at measures uh, above that for the for up to 100 feet for the rest of the building. Thank you. Your question adequately answered. Okay, board member Gaffney. I just have one small question around related to the bird safe glass. Does that mean the railing system also is bird safe glass as well under 30 feet or any glass, any glass, any okay. glass that, that met the definition. And I would say that that 36 feet is actually a recommendation by a lot of, I know that the, I think it's Audubon that really wanted the hundred feet, mm -hmm. but a lot of professional recommendations uh, from biologists and others say that 36 feet is actually adequate because the majority of birds are well under that 36 foot envelope. Is the um, railing system above 36 feet, like on the top portion levels, also made out of glass, or is it made out of something else? Some the... of it is made out of glass, some so okay. that's, that, that's why we'll look at all of that. Awesome. Thank you. Any other questions from the board while well, we have them up at the podium? Board Member Sanderson. Anybody else? Board Member Blackaby? Board Member, please. All right. This what. This is what happens when you have years of experience. It's wonderful. Thank I know you. all the Great. potholes and pitfalls that we hit in the last 20, 25 years. So I don't understand this alley issue. And it may be because I don't, there is a building there. There is an alley. Is that building built to its property line? So on the east side, there's a driveway that's on a different piece of property. And then there's a setback for the theaters exiting uh, on the east side. On the west side, similarly, just not a driveway. It's just a, a setback about 10 feet from the, the edge of the Wait, theater. East building. or west side of, west side of, of building, your building? Of, of the theater building. Uh, okay, got it. On the okay. west side, there's a 10-foot setback. Uh, that 10-foot setback is the surveys in the packet. Mm -hmm. And so th this is a private legal issue, actually, yeah. if it becomes that. Um, but uh, that 10 foot setback has been used by the neighbors for a long time, right? With or without permission, but that permission doesn't exist anymore as a result of the project. Their building is set back, and there's a grade separation, a small retaining wall that's about two to three feet wide behind their building to their property line. Okay, Let me I add understand. Some a little more color. So, you know, there's three adjacent uh, neighbors to the west. Um, we've met with all of them. Um, the other two neighbors don't have any issues um, and have acquiesced. This neighbor actually has the most um, availability to store the trash, both internally and uh, from an actual linear square footage on the exterior. Okay. Um, we're happy to still work with with the neighbor and still will, um, but that's that's not really. I mean, that is the only issue that they're concerned with, and obviously it's inconvenience for them, but it wasn't yeah. theirs to begin with to take, right? And so what I think happened to give more context was the building is has been vacant, right, because of the theater going out of business and they want to sell. Yeah. So what happens is people graffiti inside. Mm -hmm around yeah. and so there's an issue with the building and securing it and so this has come to a head in the last month or so when there was vandals that got in and the property owners um, wanted to secure it based on the suggestion of wow. police and fire and so we approached uh, the neighbors and said look we're going to put a fence down not just so that we can you know secure the prop the property from getting damaged and so that's the foremost priority right now is make sure no one gets injured, you know, mm -hmm. hurt or God forbid killed. Um, and so we really wanted to make sure that, and that's what we 
were discussing with the neighbors was putting up a fence. It is a private matter. It isn't really called an alley. It's it's a generic term to say alley. It's not a formal alley by the city definition or anything. It is, it is a setback um, for the existing property and in control of we own or the current owners of the California Theater own that property. Um, and so we will work with the neighbors to the west to address this. It's outside of um, really what is necessary for tonight or even Landmarks Commission. And there is no fire concern as well with it. Um, and just to answer from a foundation standpoint, if anybody's curious, we won't be touching any of the foundations of any of the projects. We want to uh, control our own destiny. That's a very important word in development. And so we want to do it on our own land and not use anybody else's land. And so the way that we've addressed that is to be offset from a foundation standpoint and within our parcel. Very strict. So uh, that was my other issue is uh, in other projects with sh close adjacencies, we've required a, a vibration study. Yes, we will do that. And I didn't see that in your conditions of approval. Is I don't it in think there? it was, but I, one thing you should know is Gilbane is a big company. It's a 150-year-old company, one of the oldest American companies um, that's privately held with fifth, sixth generation participation. So we haven't been around this long without, you know, doing things. I understand, but so we, I, I understand that. how things like this get lost for you. No, and you now. can put it as a condition. We will. I would it. like to. I'm just saying from our standards, like Gilbane standards, we will mm -hmm. be putting monitoring. It's a liability issue to not uh, take yeah. photos inside and out and also have monitoring. Given the size, so we'll be we'll be doing that regardless of whether or not it's you know included or not. Uh, just to give more color to that. Okay, thank you. And as far as the theater is concerned, it's in the plans, and therefore it's required. So that if you can't put in the theater, you will come back to modify your use permit. This this proposal includes the theater. Okay. So that's a representation. It's in the, the plans that you'd be approving tonight. I just want to end with uh, at least my comments, unless you guys have anything else. Just thank you so much. I mean, this has really been a project that uh, needed a lot of attention. We've really reached out to the community, and it's important to the community, um, and really hope that um, you guys see how much work we put into this um, and favorably look upon it. And we look forward to really executing this. We've gotten pretty far on a very complicated project. Um, and thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions before we... Make a motion to close the public hearing. I'll make a motion. All those in favor of closing the public hearing say aye. I'll second aye. and vote aye. <laughs> Thank you. We have a second from board member Tregu. All those in favor say aye. Aye. All those against say nay. Okay, so now the public hearing is officially closed. If I can quickly... Mm -hmm. uh, jump in. Secretary Garcia. Condition of approval number 14 does require the applicant to prepare a screening level analysis um, to uh, analyze construction vibration, potential construction vibration impacts that could result. So. Thank you. Okay. Board member Tregu. Thank you. Um, appreciate the applicant. Um, and uh, appreciate all the members of the public uh, speaking out tonight. This is democracy in action. Um, just to set the stage for the motion I'm going to be making, uh, well, first of all, I'll say that I, I really applaud um, the work that you've done. I think this is a remarkable project. I'm excited about saving the performing arts and that opportunity. Um, I appreciate the um, marquee being retained. I appreciate the 211 units of desperately needed new housing. Um, 
state law has changed uh, pretty dramatically over the past few years that I've been on this board. Our discretion is very limited. We actually are required to approve this project. Um, even prior to uh, state law changing, when we had more discretion, I would say something like um, disputes around where the property line is and, you know, access um, to trash enclosures if it's within the a disputed property line was something that historically the ZAB has viewed it as a private matter. Um, and I still believe that is um, the case. I really believe, unfortunately, or unfortunately for those who have to go through costly litigation, um, it really is a private right of action um, matter between two parties. It is not within the purview of the ZAB, at least that is my um, belief and understanding. Um, based on prior precedent. Um, I will be making a motion to approve this item as conditioned with two additional recommendations. One is to um, recommend that the applicant um, evaluate uh, and uh, if possible, uh, conform to the board safe glass ordinance currently in effect. Uh, the second recommendation would be that the applicant abide by the provisions of the hard hats ordinance. Um, both the recommendations because as has been mentioned on the record, um, the project was vested prior to the city council weighing in on both of those matters, but the council has weighed in on both of those matters. Um, and I appreciate the openness of the applicant to continue to have discussion um, with various parties. Um, I know that that is, um, I feel like the question of the inlet, um, it seems like the applicant has been trying to do what they can. If someone wants to make a recommendation, um, I would be uh, potentially friendly to that. Um, uh, but I wanted to focus on um, what is uh, in our purview and where there is an opportunity to recommend something to the applicant. It is their decision, um, but maybe that might influence um, what they do. Thank you, Board Member Tregoub. So we have a, a motion on the floor um, with two recommendations, additional recommendations. Do, do we have a second? We have a second from board member Gaffney. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'd like to second the motion and also um, thank everyone for their hard work for this project. It is probably one of the most exciting projects I've seen, both because of so much of the community, um, uh, amen, uh, community, the theater, <laughs> and um, just for how handsome of a building it is and for how hard everyone's been working on this. And Deborah, we appreciate, uh, Commissioner uh, Sanderson, we appreciate all of your hard, all your questions. Um, never feel bad. Um, they, your um, wealth of knowledge is incredibly helpful, especially for um, projects like this that are incredibly complicated and have taken a lot of work from a lot of different people. So um, I, yeah, I second the motion. Board Member Sanderson discussion. Now we can discuss the motion and the recommendations. Board Member Sanderson. Well, I think as it came up one previous meeting, 
I don't understand why we put recommendations into conditions of approval if they're not required. I think it's a, I, as one uh, board member who's not here told me once, just to prove it, it doesn't matter because it's not binding. I, to me, that this is a legal document. And so to confuse matters by putting in recommendations that aren't binding, but so everyone can see we talked about it, I guess. We have we have a local law on birdside glass, and they'll be required to comply with it. I, I don't see any reason to put a recommendation in that they, why, how did your recommendation go, Trey, uh, Igor? The, I'm sorry, what was the question? How did your recommendation, what did your recommendation state about bird safe glass? To conform with the bird safe glass ordinance passed by the city council. Even though they're not required to. That's why it's a recommendation. Yeah, I can't do it. Any further discussion? I would I would just like to make a comment as part of the discussion, um, Board Member Sanderson. I I I concur with you and agree with with your comment, um, and would support the motion um, without the recommendations. Um, and so uh, we don't have another motion on on the floor, um, but I would. Um, if there's any other discussions, in addition to that, currently on the floor right now, we're discussing a motion that's been seconded by board member Tregoub. And so if there's any more discussion about that motion, please speak up. Could I get clarification on what conditions the, are being considered for the project? The, um, two recommendations. There are two yeah. recommendations. Um, so there's a motion to approve the project at, well, I, I'm happy She's to jump done. in. She's and even better at it, but I think that's Share it. the recommendations. Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, Commissioner Trigu recommends that the applicant evaluate and conform to the bird safe ordinance, um, which requires bird safe glass up to 75 feet. Hmm. Um, and consider abiding, or no, not consider, abide by the provisions of the hard hats ordinance. Those were the two recommendations. Oh, yeah, but the, the applicant has to go on record. We, we can't accept we, those conditions. Um, they're not conditions, well, they're recommendations. They're, they're, That's why I'm confused. But, okay, so <laughs> the public hearing is closed. Thank you. Now, well, I would like to just clarify, given what, if I could, and I know Board Member Sanderson just did, but recommendations are non-binding. And so her question was, well, then what are they? And so I think it's that's what we're discussing now is that the two recommendations that have been made, um, what are the, what what's the intent and what what do they do and does the applicant have to do anything? And the truth is, is that the applicant doesn't have to do anything at all. So this is not a requirement, it's a recommendation. I'm getting some head nodding, so that's right. And so anyone else like to discuss this, um, please do. Go ahead. Board member Gaffney. All right. Well, I would be um, also happy to support a motion to remove the recommendations. I just, I know we've talked about, we've obviously had this discussion much before and, you know, it's for the sake of consistency. Um, if we decide to not do recommendations now or, you know, for this project, I think it's just something that regardless of what we do, we need to remain consistent as we go forward as well. So I, you know, I appreciate us consistently having this discussion because um, it is, a you know, it, it is 
it is important. Um, but so yeah, I am torn on which one I would support either, um, you know, or which one, but for the sake of consistency, we have added these recommendations. And as you said today, they're recommendations, definitely not conditions. Um, but you know, if we decide against that, then I just, yeah, I'd like, you know, have more discussions in the future. Thank you. Vice chair Gaffney board member Chegub and board member Sanderson. I appreciate vice chair Gaffney's, uh, reminder that we have set a precedent to, uh, recommend things that are in line with current council policy, but um, I would love to support this project. I will not be able to support this project without uh, those two recommendations. Unfortunately, maybe you don't need my vote, um, but uh, uh, this housing is important to me. So is ensuring that that housing is not built on the backs of lower class and middle class workers. Thank you. Thank you. Any more discussion? Board member Sanderson. Substitute. If yes, yeah, so there's one motion on the table now. Um, you can submit a anyone is welcome to propose a substitute motion. That substitute motion can be seconded and then discussed and then um, and voted upon as well. Okay. Um, well, I'd like to make a substitute motion that we approve the project as proposed uh, without the recommendations from Commissioner Tregu. I understand why you you put them there, um, but it still doesn't make sense to me that we put something in a conditions of approval that's not a condition of approval uh, because I think it's it's misleading as to the purpose of the document. So that's my motion for substitute motion. I would like to second that substitute motion. Thank you. <laughs> and now that there is a second, we get to discuss the substitute motion. Board member Blackaby. Could I ask, because again, I don't have the history of as the rest of the board does, but what is the standard? What is the predicate? I mean, is there one? Because uh, again, I'm interested in in the consistency, um, and I appreciate that. Uh, like, I support the intent behind the recommendations, but I also recognize that they're non-binding, uh, and I like you know I appreciate the statement that we're making with them. But again, I I want to be consistent with what the practice of the board is and set um, set something that that the board can support over the long term. Um, but I also don't have the long-term view. So I appreciate other input on that because I don't have that. Um, one, so as a, thank you. And um, if, if I could just share some comment and we've mentioned this in the past in this exact sort of instance and in this, well, a very similar instance of this. And part of the discussion there was um, city council has passed an ordinance and that ordinance, when that ordinance comes into effect, is very, very, has been debated and has been considered and is law. And so that's very important, I think, for us as a body to respect and understand and to make sure then that anyone, when they are applying, understand that those are the goalposts, those are the guide guardrails. And as city council and, and what they've done and the diligence that they put in um, is something worth respecting. And then what becomes then difficult is, is as the board, how do we then begin to sort of apply it as needed 
into projects where they don't, it doesn't apply yet, even if you believe that it is appropriate. So that's been the struggle, and I think that was our struggle previously at times, and it's something that um, was difficult for us because, um, of course, um, do we set pre do we do, do we set precedent and do it on every project now? And is it every new council resolution that like they already debated when this is when when yeah. the, they already set the goalpost? So we're respecting the goalpost goalpost. So that's just what my thoughts on the discussion, and that's part of what we had. I I can give you a little history since I'm so old. Um, I left city service in 2014. So prior to that, I was with the city for 11 years. Prior to that, we never made recommendations that went on the conditions of approval. What we did is we read them into the record and confirmed that the applicant understood what we would like him to do, but we can't require him to do. And so for my whole tenure prior to retiring, um, that was how we handled recommendations. Now, it's different if you put it in a legally binding document and it's not legally binding. So I think that's to me where the confusion, if we want to make a recommendation, we we can talk with him right now. Um, so there's more than one way to do a recommendation than writing it in as a condition of approval when it's not a condition of approval. So there's, there are options. That's all. Thank you. I would just like to make a general comment to speak. It was up to your experience. Thank you. And, and, and board member Trigub as well, your experience and commitment over many, many, many years here. And I just want to appreciate, appreciate that. Generally speaking, are there any other discussions about the motion, the substitute motion on the table? Board member Trigub. Um, yeah, and I, um, much respect to you as well. Uh, however, this goes, um, and I, I understand the precedent set um, when you were part of the staff um, when I first started on the board. Um, I just want to clarify a recommendation um, does not have the power and effect of a condition. I just want to make that very clear. However, we end up individually voting on the substitute motion. Thank you. Any other comments, board member Gaffney, vice chair Gaffney, board member Blackaby? Vice chair. No, I'm all good. Just thinking about what I'm going to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do. I really do appreciate the discussion. It will be, it'll be interesting to see after this vote too, how, how this will go in the, you know, in the future as well. Cause I think it's, um, you know, I think the conversation that isn't going to end here and, um, and I appreciate hearing the, uh, you know, I came on, during kind of when the bird saved glass and when we started to to make that as recommendations um and then we started to move to the hard hat so it's I, it is yeah it's interesting to see um and i appreciate everyone so thank you board member please any thoughts yeah i'd just like to comment that i concur with commissioner sanderson um regarding not clouding the purpose of the conditions of approval versus um recommendations so Thank you. This is my first time I sort of called on people. I think this is working. I'm just calling on people. Okay, we can, great. Um, 
trying not to just take up all the space here. So we have a motion on a substitute motion on the table. If we have no more comment, then we vote on that motion. Okay, if there's no more comment, um, then let's take a vote. We have a substitute motion from Commissioner Sanderson and a second from Chair Duffy to approve use permit ZP 2022-0144 as recommended by staff. When I call your name, please state your vote. Commissioner Trigu. Abstain. Chairperson Duffy. Yes. Vice Chairperson Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Blackaby. Yes. Bunapara, O'Keefe, and Khan are absent. Commissioner, please. Yes. Commissioner Sanderson. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So that is five yeses. That is a majority of the board. The motion, the, the substitute motion passes. Now, help me with the, how the rest of this works. Now we go back to the original, oh no, it, that, it just passes because logically the first motion didn't work. Thank you. Okay. So then the motion has passed. Uh, you pending two weeks from the notice of decision, which is the appeal period, you have your use permit. Thank you, everybody. Okay, so now we are moving on. That was the only action item. I'm sorry, only item on the action calendar. We have subcommittee reports. Very exciting news. We actually did have a meeting and I have a report. Let me find my notes on it though. Uh, of course. Sorry, give me a second. I have notes. They're just missing. Okay. Um, it was very exciting, actually. So uh, the first project that we reviewed was 2018 Blake Street. And I don't know, um, some of you were here when we reviewed that at Zab. And actually, Zab made a recommendation um, to bring it to DRC to review only the um, east and west facades. Um, try and uh, spearhead your memories on what it looks like. Um, it was, it's well, they changed it to an all-metal cladding. It's um, a white metal um, that pretty much wraps around the entire building on each facade um said you all liked did not or you know we did not review the north and um south facades um which are the street facade and the back um and only said review the north and south um we actually requested them to come back we did not feel like they actually satisfied our um what we were looking for and what zab was looking for um they were supposed to, I uh, said, just add more detail and interest to those facades. Um, and they did, it said they changed the uh, material to a fiber cement panel um, and they did change the railing and they, they varied the windows. We didn't feel that there was, there was more opportunities for more windows um, on those facades that they just, they, we just didn't feel like they, they could have pushed it a little further. So they are going to come back to us and I should probably have, I will have another report on that. And, um, hopeful that we'll like it even more. And we had a good discussion with them. Um, the next one was 2587 Telegraph, um, which was a preliminary design review. Um, it is actually a 200 foot uh, street frontage along Telegraph, so a very, very long street frontage. Um, it was all metal on the um, on that facade. Uh, we had a varied uh, opinions um, between the DRC members on whether or not the, the main um, kind of the main thing uh, that 
brought interest to that facade was the metal panels. And there was discussion on whether that, you know, they wanted, we wanted them to study if that metal would get too hot, if that was going to be actually a reasonable, um, a reasonable material to use for a 200 foot um, long um, span, um, as well as just kind of breaking up, we're looking for them to break up the massing a little bit along that 200 foot span, um, as well as um, looking, having them look at um, kind of the bottom two floors, floors, because the first floor um, was pretty low. It was only about like nine, or I think nine to 10 feet um, from the street sidewalk to the underside of the second story and for such a big building it was kind of looking feeling very heavy so we're, we're looking for them to um come back for final design review with a little more um you know break up of massing on the facade and to also bring back a couple more materials so i'll report back on final design review so we have thanks. a question from board member sanderson i didn't hear when you described the the 200 foot metal mm -hmm. thingy uh, what building, what project, or what building it is? 2587 Telegraph. But that doesn't tell me. What are they proposing? Is this a, like a huge building or sorry, uh, a long building? Let me or? see. I think it was, sorry, let me pull up why I just had the thing up. I think it was like eight stories. Sorry, right. I should have started. Eight. You said, let me see. Let me, let me count. Let me count. Yeah, it's not. No, sorry. One second. Yeah, we got. Yep, eight stories. Um, and the buildings next to it, um, I forgot the name of the one to the north, but the uh, building to the north is is six stories. Um, it has a double height um, first floor. Um, so I think to me that was one reason that the building, uh, the, our, the building we were reviewing was um, kind of feeling a little heavy, especially on that first floor, because okay. the building to the north did uh, did have a significantly higher first floor. So it was kind of a very odd kind of lead up walking from the north to south where you had this very open um, sidewalk of two stories and all of a sudden you get kind of get squished down just to one. Um, but it does, the size of the building minus like a, the height of the building still feels pretty, um, pretty good for the area. The mm -hmm. building next to it is... Um, three floors, but they're three tall floors. So it goes up to about the fourth story of the um, building. So to me, I, at least height wise, it goes with the context of the neighborhood. Um, and then they step down a bit in the back as well. So thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> You're always welcome to ask questions. Yeah, that's, that's I, exciting. I'm trying uh, to get better. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thank you. Operating, so, um, well, you've got yeah. your plate full at yeah. the DRC. And I think the importance of your work is 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 now more than ever, um, especially given um, all of the the rights granted under state law with regard to zoning approvals. I think DRC now um, really has an important role to to kind of that the, the check-in is is really there, mm -hmm. um, more there than here in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. When it, especially when it comes to design and and especially the ground floor and compatibility in the neighborhood and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. um, it's an important, really important work, and thank you for sharing it. Um, and yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, and um, that one's always it's always interesting with design reviews since we are able to give recommendations. It's one it's one of those things that's so uh, yeah different from Zab on that because yeah you got your you you do have your conditions, but we do always put a lot of recommendations. It's obviously different than here since it's not as legal. Those conditions, those recommendations aren't legally binding on the conditions of approval. But um, yeah. So it's always, um, but that was also done by Rhodes Planning Group. So um, it'll be great to see what he comes up with for 2587 Telegraph.
Cool. Well, this, um, of course, we only had one project to discuss uh, tonight, but I just remember being a kid. The number of times I went to the corner, that the, the building on the corner and bought candy and walked over to the movie theater um, is, is, is countless. And uh, I've seen double features at that movie theater when I was a kid. I saw Goonies there. I saw Back to the Future there. That, that, that movie theater is, is a really important piece of downtown. And it's just exciting also just to see that um, it'll still hopefully be, be uh, something that supports the arts downtown. That, I just think that was exciting. So, um, and I just want to thank the board for your considerations and all your comments tonight um, as we learn together to um, on, on how all of this, uh, how, how, the, how this works. So thank you. Any other comments from anybody before we adjourn? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, Igor left quickly uh, because I think this issue of making recommendations is, is an interesting one. And, the, the problem, so I don't know if we should have a conversation about that some other time. You know, if we are going to have recommendations, then there needs to be a recommendation section, not in the conditions of approval. I mean, but on the other hand, unless everyone agrees with the recommendations, it's not a recommendation of the, of the ZAB. So I've sort of, I mean, it, it's sort of mixing my personal idea of what I'd like. Um, and most, a lot of people will just go along because they want the project approved. I don't know, I mean, but we should muddle on this a little bit. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure what to do with it. Is that something we could actually schedule like, you know, before design review committee reports or anything that we could have a more official discussion? Because, yeah, I, I do think obviously this is going to be an issue that I think is going to come up time and time again. And as I said, I do um, obviously I didn't vote consistently as I had previously tonight, but I do. I, I know I do agree with you, um, you know, Deborah and um, and. I don't want to muddle anything that is, um, you know. Is a yeah. condition. So, I, but I do, I, I do also said even as someone in um, design review, I do, I do like recommendations, but I'd want to be able to do that in a legally way. correct way and then remain consistent yeah. throughout. Um, I understand why people want them, um, <laughs> and you know it makes sense. But then there's we don't have any kind of guidance about what we can and what we can't make recommendations about. You know, if it's already a city ordinance, then is that all great? You know, mm -hmm. I, um, I don't know. I also, well, let's, I don't know to talk about it now. <laughs> well, it becomes more subjective. I think maybe yeah. that's partly what you're talking about too. It, it, it can be more individualized or more personalized and more subjective. And, mm -hmm. and so. Um, and I, I don't think the development world quote, knows quite what to do with it. Mm. I mean, does that mean that if they don't follow it, the neighbors are going to come and oppose them? I mean, it, mm. It sort of feels like it's setting them up for a crisis somewhere along the line if they choose not to do it. Um, but that's why I think, um, I mean, I had wanted to talk to Igor more about it, but maybe we can 
have a discussion. I don't know how one does that mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just I appreciate having this discussion kind of after everything's settled anyway. So yeah. you know, I, I don't I don't mind staying a little longer to discuss like we are now um, on public record because um, that it is something that's going to come up time and time again um, and. Uh, to, you know, and especially since there is SB 330 and we have less purview than we used to, I think Mm -hmm. it seems like maybe that's even where the recommendation started coming into play more because we were, you know, what we were able to do was taken back. So we really, you know, and I didn't experience kind of before SB 330 and the Housing Mm -hmm. Accountability Act as much. Um, But, you know, we, a lot of our power was taken away. So that's why it seems like maybe that's kind of where the recommendation started to be born a little bit. Um, And, us trying to find our footing and what we are allowed to do and how we can kind of push the envelope. Um, but also at the same time, you know, said, you know, we're here to really just be, you know, a legal body that makes sure everything legally is done correctly and interpreted right. So yeah, I, you know, I'm glad to have these discussions after everything is said and done. And it's really helpful. So yeah, you know, as a quasi judicial body it's 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 we you know it we we have to adhere to a set of 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 criteria that is um that 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 we interpret and uh that is law and so i i think um yeah i uh, in the past i know that we've really worked towards consensus and the majority of the time we have it and tonight we don't so that hurts a little bit um but we, we will persevere and um and i think i just appreciate everybody on the board here so thank you okay with that i have a motion to adjourn all those in favor oh do i have a second second okay all those in favor say aye aye any opposed say nay okay we are adjourned thank you everybody thank you everyone and our new- <laughs> Um, I do have to, sorry, note that for adjourning, we do need to actually do an official roll call. Yes, I, I do need a motion and a second. Um, so the motion was from Chair Duffy and the second was from a board member Blackaby. And so when I call your name, please state your vote. Commissioner Trigu. Um, absent. Uh, Chairperson Duffy. Yes. Vice Chairperson Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Blackaby. Yes. Commissioner Please. Yes. Commissioner Sanderson. Yes. Thank you. Okay, the motion passes and we are adjourned.